this series, well, first of all, I just want to say I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, it's just a blessing to see you guys here and to see how excited you are. It's the second week of classes, and I know you're feeling tired, but I'm praying that tonight that the Lord would just give you some energy. I'm pumped for tonight. So we're going to continue our series of the greatest of all time. If you saw the video, you said things like, Jesus is the Savior. And last week, I talked about that. I talked about how Jesus comes and he saves us from our sins. All right, now this week we're going to talk about how Jesus is a deliverer, okay? He comes and he sets us free from our sins. Jesus doesn't only forgive us from our sins. He doesn't only say, come and pay our penalty and make it so we can stand right before God, but Jesus also comes and gives us power to have victory over our sins. He gives us the power to be delivered from our sins, and tonight we're going to talk about that, how we live a holy life, how we can live lives that are honoring to God and how Jesus helps us do that. But before I do that, I want to share a story. Throw up this picture. That's my family. Okay, so this summer, my family went to the Wisconsin Dells. Okay, super cool. And we stayed together in a cabin. And on one of the days, we went to this water park called, uh, what is it, Noah's Ark? Yeah, it's, the, it's America's largest water park. All right, and at the end of the day, uh, we find this pool that has like a lot of fun activities. So there's like the thing where you grab on and you walk across the pods. There's this pool and there's these pods you can walk across. And then I see this zip line, okay? So you can jump on, you throw up the next picture. There's a zip line and you grab on and you slide down into the pool. And immediately I'm thinking, no, I don't wanna do that. Because here's the deal, like when I was in elementary school, I could never do like the bar thing where you, you know, climb across, I don't know what it is. I just could never do it. And I'm thinking, I'm going to look like an idiot if I try to do this. It's a psychological thing for me. It's not that I don't have the upper body strength. At least I hope it's not. I try to lift like every other day. It's not working, obviously. But anyway, so I go on this thing. My whole family goes. And uh, Taylor, okay, Taylor, where are you at? She's over there. That's my sister-in-law. There's like 10 of us that go on it, and she's the only one who can't do it. I'm thinking, okay, if Taylor can't do it and everyone else can, I should be able to do it. So I get, I sit on the end of it, and I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. I scoot off it, and I just go, plop, just fall right into the pool. I didn't hold on to it at all. Didn't go anywhere. I'm supposed to be the strong guy in the family. I thought I was, but anyways, I go right into the pool, and my hands are just rope burned. It's just bad. Like, I'm ticked off, to be honest, because I look like a fool. I'm a little embarrassed, but mostly ticked, and my hand just got this rope burn on it. And I get out of the pool, and my brother, Derek, where's he at? He's just looking at me like, this little smirk he does. Because <laughs> mom yelled at him and said, do not make fun of him. So Derek's smirking at me. And uh, just as I was thinking about this week's sermon, I thought back to that story, because I think it really applies to what we're going to talk about tonight, which is our fight against sin. See, here's the deal. If I would have used my upper body strength to pull me up, and, or instead of trying to grip on to the rope as tight as I could, then I think I could have did it. But instead, I thought, if I just grip onto this, and I just let my body hang and just grip, then I can make it. That's not how it works. You have to pull your body up. You have to flex your muscles and pull yourself up. And the thing is, just with our fight with sin, with trying to get over sin, a lot of times we fight the battle in the wrong way, okay? So we try harder. We say, I'm going to work harder. Like, I'm going to grip the rope tighter, and then I'll defeat this sin in my life. So maybe for you, it's anger. Like, just things set you off, and you get really ticked. Or maybe it's greed or gluttony or maybe it's sexual addiction. I don't know what your uh, struggle is tonight, but here's the thing I know. I know that if we just try to work harder, it's, or it's not gonna free us from our sin. Instead, something else needs to happen. So for the illustration, uh, we have to use our upper body strength, but in the spiritual life, we need the strength of Jesus 
And we need his love to be the thing that helps us to defeat the sin, okay? Jesus' love needs to be the thing that, the thing that drives us to overcome our sin. And I know that everyone in this room has their own struggles, you know? And here's the deal, even if you're not a Christian, so you may say, I'm not a Christian, I don't really care about sin. But here's the deal, like even if you're not a Christian, you try to overcome different bad habits, your primal instincts, your natural desires. But here's the deal, if you just try to work harder, you will not be able, or be able to overcome that. And here's the thing, guys. Oftentimes in Christianity, we can say that the gospel is, put this up right here, put this next slide up. We can say that the gospel is if we obey, then we'll be loved. But that's not what the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of Jesus or the message of Christianity, is not obey, try to please God with your works, and then he might love you. That's not the gospel. So if you've heard that, if you think if you just go to church, you do some rituals, and you try harder, then God will love you, that's not the way it works. The gospel is, if you put up the next slide, we're deeply loved and forgiven. That's the truth. We're deeply loved and we're forgiven. There's nothing you could do to change God's mind about you. God loves you infinitely. And that truth should motivate you to obey God. So you can't just grip the rope tighter. You need a heart change. You need to have Jesus come inside and show you his love. And that needs to, to motivate you to defeat the sin in your life. So tonight we're gonna be looking at this in Romans chapter eight. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're gonna be in that chapter the whole night. And in Romans, the Apostle Paul, who's this early church leader in the first few years after Jesus was resurrected, Paul's an early church leader, and his mission was to bring the gospel to, or to non-Jewish people. And he's writing this letter to the church in Rome, and it's a church made up of Jews and, and non-Jewish Christians, and, and Paul is giving a pretty thorough uh, just explanation of what Christianity is. He's not really trying to do that, but that's what ends up happening. The book of Romans ends up being Christianity's best, uh, or best description of what the gospel is and what the message of Christianity is. That's what Paul ends up writing in the book of Romans. And in chapter eight, in particular, Paul writes about how we can overcome the sin in our lives. And last week I read the first verse to you, and that was it. It's this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's how he starts it off. That's how he starts out his whole chapter on how to defeat sin. We have to understand if you're in Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you have said, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, I confess that he is Lord. If you've done that, and I think there's 20 people last week who did that. So if you did that last week, then there's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation. That's a glorious truth, guys, because we're born enemies of God. We're born condemned, but through Jesus, we can have no condemnation because Jesus pays our penalty on the cross. Because this is, or actually in chapter six, it says, uh, the wages of sin is death, but Jesus pays that wage. And now when God looks at us, if you put your faith in Christ, the debt's been paid and God sees Jesus, he doesn't see you. But then Paul goes on in verse two and he says this. He says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So he says that Jesus has set us free from sin and death. So a set of rules cannot convince us to live holy. The only thing that can, the only thing that can change our heart and motivate us to live holy lives is God's love, it's the, or it's the law of the Spirit. 
You see, when Jesus came, each of us, you know, like we tried to obey rules, or if you've been religious, you have tried to obey rules, and the reality is we can't do it on our own. We can't obey God's law, but Jesus came and Jesus lived the perfect life. He obeyed God's law to the T. Jesus was perfect. So he fulfilled the law in the sense that he was perfect and, and he's the only man who's ever lived to fulfill the law. But he didn't just do that. He also paid the debt of those who could not obey the law. So Jesus lives the perfect life and then he dies on the cross for those of us, which is everyone in this room who could not obey the law. And through that, Jesus has made it possible for us to live by the law of the spirit. Okay, he talks about the law of the Spirit in verse two. And what's the law of the Spirit, you might ask? The law of the Spirit is where we obey God, not because we're trying to obey a list of rules, but instead because the Holy Spirit has come to live inside us, and he guides us day in and day out to obey God out of our genuine desire. It's like the difference between having a manual that says, do this, do that, do this, which is the law, and having a mentor who walks alongside you and guides you. That's the law of the Spirit. The Spirit guides us to live holy lives. We're not trying to obey some rules to please God. Instead, we've been saved, we've been changed, we've been shown the love of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is guiding us day in and day out to obey the law. So the law of the Spirit has set us free in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing this evening? I was gonna say this morning. All right, All right so we're gonna read verses nine through 17. That's gonna be our main text. We're gonna skip down to that. Paul says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he and then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So our bodies will die. That's something we all know, people die. But through the Holy Spirit on the last day, we'll all be raised and will be judged. That's what the word says. All right, let's continue with verse 12. So then, brothers, we're not, or brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, then you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of, or the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You getting that? Getting that? That's good. We'll talk about it in a few seconds. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children then heirs Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order, that, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So that's our text for tonight. I wanna pray over that so we can just examine this in the right way. We need the spirit to guide us because that might've been confusing to you. It's confusing to me the first time I read it. So I'm gonna try to break it down. Let's, or just ask the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it tonight. God, we ask you in this place just to speak to us. God, here's the deal. I know that there's things that I'm going to say and there's an agenda that I have tonight, but Lord, I pray ultimately that your agenda would win out and that you would speak to each and every heart in this room in the way that they need to be spoken to. God, I pray that you'd use me to preach your word and that you would come and speak alongside my preaching of the word. God, I pray that you'd guide us tonight and that each of us would walk out of this place understanding just how we can be delivered from our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. If you're taking notes, Throw it up there. Jesus is the greatest of all time because he delivers us from the power of sin. So like I said, last week we 
And we talked about how Jesus forgives us of our sin and he can restore us to right relationship with God. But this week we're talking about how Jesus empowers us to leave sin and to walk in freedom. So freedom's the word I want you to get tonight, that Jesus has called us to freedom from our sin. Jesus has not called us to get a get out of hell free card and get forgiven, but then just continue to live in our sin. He's called us to freedom, to freedom Christ has called us tonight. So Jesus has come not just to forgive you and to get you into heaven, but Jesus has also come to bring heaven to earth right here, right now, and to help you to live the life that God has called you to live. Do you believe that? God has not called you just to pray a prayer of salvation and then continue to live the same way, but instead God has called you to pray a prayer of salvation, to have your heart lit on fire and to change. God has called us to be transformed in this place. So tonight we're gonna talk about how Jesus delivers us from sin, and there's two things. There's two ways he does it, and that's not the complete discussion of the subject, but I don't have time to do that. We'd be here for six hours if I tried to discuss every little bit about how Jesus helps us get free from sin, but I'm gonna try to do my best in 35 minutes. All right, can we do this? All right, first thing is this. Jesus delivers us from sin by giving us the Holy Spirit. Jesus delivers us from sin by giving us the Holy Spirit. It says in verse nine, it says we're, or it says we're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, and if, and then Paul says, if in fact, so he says we're in the spirit, and he says, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, and he says anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him, or the spirit of Christ. So here's the deal, if you're a Christian in this place, if you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is a member of the triune God, okay? So in Christianity, we believe in the Trinity, okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Three persons, one in essence. It's one God, but three persons. Try to understand that. Go for it. That's just what the scriptures say. That's what the scriptures teach. We don't always understand every single thing about God. That's the reality. But three persons, one in essence, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, so a member of the Trinity, the triune God, the creator God, comes and lives inside of you. That should probably start to change some things, maybe rearrange some things in our life, okay? The Spirit of God is living inside of us if we're Christians. Paul says it dwells in us. The Holy Spirit, he dwells in us. And that will naturally begin to change your life. Your heart will begin to change. You'll begin to live differently. In our text, in verse 10, it says that the Spirit gives us life. It says, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So how does the Spirit give life? Because of righteousness. Like I've said, Jesus pays our penalty on the cross. Jesus pays our penalty on the cross. And now when God looks at us, if we put our faith in Jesus, he sees Jesus. Because Jesus paid the penalty. So God looks at you and sees Jesus. And because, and because each of us are righteous in that way, positionally before God, we can have life through the Spirit. And what does that mean? Paul explains in verse 13, if we go down, he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you're going to live. So the spirit giving life plays itself out in the sense that each of us are putting to death the deeds of the body. So Paul says here, if you live according to the flesh, if you live just according to sin, if you're being dominated by sin in the sense where you don't repent of it and you just continue to give into it, if you're living that way, then he says you'll die. But if you live according to the Spirit, then you're going to have life. So what's that mean to live according to the Spirit? Well, that means that you're continually repenting of your sin. You're not walking in it. Yes, we'll screw up. Here's the reality. Everyone's gonna screw up. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect in this room. But the, but the mark of the Christian is you 
put that before God, you repent of it and you reject it, and you say, that's not gonna be part of my life. And every time you sin, you bring it to the Lord and you say, I don't want that in my life. And that's how you find life, is through rejecting the sin in your life and trying to walk in holiness. So if you truly tasted God's love in this place, if you truly have tasted his forgiveness, then you're not going to continue to live in your sin. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying you cannot, like they're incompatible. You can't say, hey, I'm a Christian, but just, or I just live according to the flesh. You can't say that. The two things are incompatible. You can't say, hey, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus, but then just live, or just live your life according to sin. You can't do that. Paul says if you have truly tasted the love of God, then your life will begin to look different. So in summary, if we want to get free from sin, then we need the power of the Spirit to help us to put sin to death. Because we can't do it on our own. We can't just work harder and think, hey, I'm gonna put sin to death in my life. We need the Spirit to come in and motivate us and help us to do that. So how does the Spirit do that? Well, there's three things, okay, three things. This is a sub-point, okay? This isn't a second point, this is a sub-point. Three things about how the Spirit helps us get free from sin. The first thing is this. He gives us a new heart, and he helps us to love and obey Jesus. So the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel pretty cool name, Ezekiel, he prophesied of God giving us a new heart. So Ezekiel lived in the age of the law, okay? So people were trying to obey the law and they were failing just miserably. And Ezekiel prophesied of a day that God would give us a new heart and empower us to live for God out of a genuine desire. It says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you, a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Whoa. That's what happens when we become a Christian. It's not just this prayer we pray or this just religious thing we do. God takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and our heart begins to change. The spirit comes and lives inside of us. And naturally, as I said, that should change the way we live because we have a new heart. John 14, 15 through 16 says this. This is Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's the reality. If we truly love God, then we'll keep his commandments. And then he explains how we'll keep his commandments. In verse 16, he says, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you a helper, which is the word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit here, to be with you forever. So the helper is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then he says, but the helper is gonna help you do that. The helper is gonna help you obey my commandments. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside and help you to obey Jesus. So we don't have to just grab on the rope like I did like an idiot, scoot off the thing thinking I'm gonna be great and then fall into the pool. Instead, we have the Spirit inside of us giving us the strength to actually do it like a smart person and pull yourself up and glide on into the pool like I should have did. I should have went back up there and did it. But anyways, I probably would have did it again, fell on again. All right, so the second thing though, the Holy Spirit does something else. The second thing is he teaches us and he guides us into the truth. So John 14 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus talking again. He says, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit helps us. He teaches us. He, he brings into remembrance the things that Jesus has said to you. Here's the reality. You'll probably only, only remember like 2% of the sermon two weeks from now. That's the reality. That's just the way it goes. I know that. I'm not a dummy. I don't think you just remember everything. But the Holy Spirit can help bring things to your remembrance. He can help bring things back. Like there's times I'm in a situation, I'm trying to guide a student, and I'll just get something pop up in my head. And I know it's the Holy Spirit. He's bringing it out. Because there's so much stuff we have in our brains. Like do you realize that? So much stuff that's stored there that you just can't access. The Holy Spirit helps us to access that. The Holy Spirit brings things 
to remembrance. He teaches us. He helps the truth to permeate our hearts. And then in chapter 16 of John, verse 13, he says this, when the spirit of truth comes, so guide you into all the truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, so he, or the Holy Spirit hears it from God, and he'll declare to you the things that are to come. So the spirit who lives inside of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, helps us to remember the commandments of Jesus, and he guides us into the truth. He guides us into holy lives. And here's the deal. You can resist his leading. He can tell you something, and you can resist it. It's not like the Holy Spirit comes in, says, I'm taking over, taking the wheel. No, that's not the way it works. The Holy Spirit brings stuff to remembrance. He changes our hearts. He changes our desires. And we have to surrender to him and allow him to lead us, which leads me to my last thing about how the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. And this is the fun one. Get ready. He'll convict us of our sin. So if you're a Christian in this room, or maybe you're not a Christian and you felt conviction before, it's a fun thing. You did something dumb, you disobeyed God, and then all of a sudden you begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying you need to repent of that. The Holy Spirit saying that's not the way that I made you. And here's the difference, guys. So here's the thing. Some of you are dealing with condemnation, as I talked about at the beginning. You know, It says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Condemnation is when there's a voice that's speaking to you, which is Satan's voice, saying that you could, they're saying that God would never love you. It says that God has changed his mind about you, that God will never free you from your sin, that you're doomed, that you're stuck in this, that you're no good. That's the voice of Satan. That's condemnation. But conviction is this, and this is amazing. So when the Holy Spirit speaks softly and he says, or he says, you're made for more than this. He says, you're made for more than this. I know everything about you and I know the way that you're meant to be living right now and this is not that way. If you bring it to me, I'll forgive you and I'll love you. I'll show you my love and forgiveness. That's the voice of conviction. So I pray every night that the voice of conviction would come upon this place and we would not just live in sin. Like I said, Paul says you cannot just live according to the flesh and call yourself a follower of Jesus. You just can't. So I pray tonight by the grace of God that the voice of the Holy Spirit would come in this place. Right now, Holy Spirit, I'll ask you right now to convict us of our sin. There are sins in our lives that each of us need to bring to God and I pray that you would yield to his voice, you would recognize it, Say, that does not need to be in my life anymore. That you wouldn't feel condemned, that you wouldn't feel like you can never get out of it, but instead you'd say, hey, I'm made for more than this. I need to bring this to someone, confess it, and find freedom. Pray for that tonight. So I'm gonna plug Fall Retreat here, all right? Because you need to go to Fall Retreat. You need to go to Fall Retreat, come on. I'm looking at some of you, and you're like looking the other way, huh? I don't wanna go to Fall Retreat. All right, so my freshman year, Actually, I got a backup. So last week I shared my faith story. If you were here, if you didn't hear it, you can go online and listen to it. But I shared about my struggle with pornography from the time I was 12 or until I was 18 years old. For six years, I looked at it every single day. I was addicted, entangled in it. I thought I was a follower of Jesus, but I could not get free from it for six years. And then I just got completely rocked by Jesus right before I came to you and I. Something amazing happened. If you want to hear it, like I said, you can listen to it. But the or Jesus just completely changed me. There's just this refreshing that happened. And I came to Chi Alpha. There's just a few of us there. And the pastor was trying to get me to go to Fall Retreat. And he called my mother. And he said, will you pay for him to go to Fall Retreat? And she said, of course. So I went to Fall Retreat. I didn't want to go to Fall Retreat. I'm not a camper. I'm not into that kind of stuff. We don't camp. Like We're in nice, it's pretty nice rooms. But I thought it was going to be some camping adventure, backpacking through Iowa in the wilderness. <laughs> But no, we're in cabins, there's a worship space, it's really nice. But anyways, so I go to Fall Retreat, and the speaker speaks on the first night about just taking responsibility for your faith and getting sin out of your life. And I just bawled like a baby, okay? 
I bawled because I had this addiction in the background. I could not get free of it for six years. I'm like, all right, it's done tonight. And I brought it before Jesus, and a guy prayed for me. He, so I played drums on the worship team for Kyle back then, and then he played lead guitar. We were both bawling like babies in the middle of the aisle, just praying that God would free us of our addictions. So that helped. And then the second night, there's this thing that he talked about called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, you need to hear about it, because I'm telling you, it's amazing. It is so good. It's where Jesus removes a lot of junk in your life, and he fills you up with the Holy Spirit, something that happens after salvation. At salvation, we get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, but there's a second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where Jesus fills us up with the Holy Spirit and it changes us. It gives us power to be bold witnesses for Christ. It gives us power over sin. It's an amazing experience. So the second day, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that sucker changed the game, okay? Because I had the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, all right? So anyways, and those two things combined helped me to get free of pornography. Like it went from looking at it every day to like, you know, slipping up every once in a while, like once a month. And it completely went away after like a year of just, you know, once a month or whatever. But, but what I want to talk about is what I did after fall retreat. So these things helped me to, to break the bondage of pornography. But there's some other things that happened. I began to change the way I lived. I began to yield to the Holy Spirit in a greater way. So there's three things I did, really. The first thing was this. I began to read my Bible every day after this. Guys, I'm telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you don't read the Bible, I'm just saying, it's not very smart because the Bible is God's word to you. It's God's word to us. It's God speaking. If you say, I never hear God's voice, but you don't read the Bible, how silly are you? God's voice, here it is. God, like most of the time, doesn't come on the clouds, like coming through Lang Hall, ceiling, Daniel, you need to do this. He doesn't typically do that. You know, it's never really happened like that for me. You know, maybe for you, if you're really spiritual, it happens. But no, seriously, God does speak sometimes in cool ways. But the main way he speaks is through the Bible. So I began to read the Bible every day. And that's how, so here's the thing. When you're reading the word of God, coupled with the spirit of God, ooh, come on. That conviction happens like every day. Because I'm reading the words of God and the spirit of God is applying it to my heart. So I'm not just reading and learning in my head, but the spirit of God is like behind the scenes like, come on, Daniel, you got to get this. You got to get this, underline that verse. And it speaks to my heart, and every day I'm hearing from God. I'm talking with God every day. Do that, and then look at pornography. I'm just saying. All right, so if you read this, you're not going to run off and look at pornography, okay? Like, oh, Jesus loves me so much. I should, you know, Paul says, if you don't put to death the deeds of the body, you're going to die. And then you're going to run and go do that. No, it changes the game. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean every time you just read the Bible that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that, but it gives you some power, y'all. Come on. Someone needs to get excited. You guys are way too tired tonight. I'm just saying, come on. The Bible gives you power, or the voice of God in the scriptures coupled with the spirit of God. Come on. All right, second thing I did is I prayed. I start, Thank you, Dan. I just began to talk to God. I began to talk to him every day. I said, God, will you help me with this struggle? And God, here's something. He answers prayers, okay? If you don't believe that in this place, you need to believe that tonight. Because God shows up in my life all the time. When I ask him to do things, he actually shows up and does it. It's amazing. It says, if you ask anything in my name, you'll receive it. That's what Jesus said. So somebody in this place needs to start praying. If you want to get power over your sin, prayer needs to happen, okay? And the third thing is I began to surrender to the Holy Spirit more. I began to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow you. Because I began to, or to recognize his voice through scripture reading, through prayer. And I began to surrender. So if you want freedom from your sin, go ahead and read the words of God. Talk to God and surrender to God, all right? The Holy Spirit will do this thing if you do those things. All right, second thing tonight. So that was the first point. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us 
be delivered from sin. The second thing, Jesus, boom, it's coming up. I got to, there you go. Okay, there we go. Nope. It'll come up. All right, I'm going to find it on my own notes. Okay. Jesus delivers us from sin by securing our adoption. Okay, so in the back half of this text in Romans 8, Paul begins to talk about adoption. So let's read verses 14 through 15. It says this. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Ooh, Abba, Father, what does that mean? It sounds cool, right? So Abba is this Aramaic, or it's this Aramaic word, and Jesus spoke Aramaic. And this word refers to like Papa or Daddy, okay? So that's the word in Aramaic for Papa or Daddy. So Paul says we go from being slaves or or we're freed from the spirit of slavery, where you're just obeying God out of fear, to being children of God, where you can say, Papa, Father, Daddy, Father, say both. There you go. Paul says, if you're a Christian, then you're a son or daughter of God. So we're all born as children of wrath. This says that in Ephesians 2. That's not very popular to hear, but that's what the scriptures say. It says we're born children of wrath. We are enemies of God. But it says that through Christ, we're made alive through grace. It says that Jesus makes us alive together through grace. It says we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but through Jesus we can become sons and daughters of God. Verse 16 and 17 says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Oh, we don't want to read that part. I'm kidding. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So when you become a child of God, you're granted full rights of an heir of God. You are in God's family. You're in God's family. Do you believe that tonight, Christians? That changes the game of how we fight sin. So why does it matter? Why does uh, our adoption in Christ change the game? Or how does that deliver us from sin? Because it changes our perspective of why we're fighting sin. So here's the deal. Have any of you seen a child begin to walk, okay? They're walking like this. They're taking a few steps, and then they fall typically. And they get up, they take a few more steps. Have you ever seen a dad, and maybe you have, and if so, it kills my illustration, and it's kind of sad. But have you seen a dad go up when it falls over, or the kid falls over, and be like, you suck, and spank the baby, or spank the kid, whatever. I don't know how old they are, one and a half, I don't know. They start to walk. Have you seen a dad just start to scream at him? Wow, you need to start walking, that's not how it works, okay? And Chris Tomlin says that our dad is a good, good father. Our God is a good, good father. And if he says it, it must be true. Okay, that's a Christian joke, sorry. If you're not a Christian, you don't get that at all. But anyways, so our dad, God, is a good father, okay? And what's a good father do when a baby falls as they're walking? Does he come up and spank the baby? No, he picks the baby up and says, good job, bud. Go again. And that's God's relationship to us as we fight sin. So some of you, you became a Christian and you continue to struggle in your sin and you continue to feel condemnation. You begin to feel like God is mad at you because you haven't overcome this sin yet. You know, why can't I just overcome this sin? Why am I so terrible? I'm supposed to be getting free from this sin and you believe that God is looking at you and he's mad at you and he's disappointed in you. But here's the deal. Dad is the best, or I keep calling him dad. That's good. That shows that I view God as dad. But anyways, God is the best dad in the world. He cheers you on as you begin to progress and as you begin to take more steps. So you begin to take three steps and then fall. 
Then you take four steps and then fall. And then you just begin to sprint. But it's a journey. You don't just start running right away. You don't just start sprinting. And besides, Dylan Rose probably did when he was a kid because he's amazing. But anyways, like most of you, you took a step, you fell. You took two steps, you fell. And God cheers you on. He supports you. He cries with you. He's in the struggle with you. And he's saying, you can do it. He's saying, I have made you for holiness. He said, I've set you apart to live a life that's amazing. It's in the middle of my destiny where you obey me gladly and I'm gonna walk with you through this. I'm gonna help you to get over sin. So here's the reason why adoption changes the game for us. This is how adoption delivers us from sin because we're no longer trying to walk or trying to obey God to please him or to try to get him to love us or because we fear punishment, but instead just because we want to make dad proud because we know that dad's cheering us on and dad loves us a lot and dad loves us that much then we need to walk. We need to follow what he's telling us to do. Some of you have been viewing God as a slave master in this place. And God is not a slave master. God is a good, good, good father. He loves you so much. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. God knows your biggest hopes. God knows your biggest dreams. He knows your biggest struggles. He knows how you feel when you sin. And he's with you all the time saying, I love you. I've not changed my mind about you. I have not changed my mind about you. The worship team could come up. We're gonna close here in a second. Tonight, I believe that God wants to lovingly, through conviction, push us towards the life that he's called us to live. He's called us to live a life of freedom from sin. You Christians in this place, you followers of Jesus, my fellow sons and daughters of God, please do not give in to the yoke of slavery tonight. Do not give in to sin and just say, I'm gonna be a Christian and I'm gonna do this. So here's the deal, I told my story last week, but for me, when I was in high school, that's what I did. I, I said I was a Christian, but then I'd party on the weekends and I'd look at pornography and I would do drugs and drink and all that. And it tore me apart inside. But then when I understood because right before I came to you and I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Daniel, there's nothing that you could ever do that could separate yourself from my love. And when I got that, when I got how much God truly loved me, that he called me a son, it changed my heart. And I knew from then on that I could not continue to give into sin while claiming to be a son of God. So I'm calling you to rise up in this place, to rise up and, and to claim your identity in Christ that says you're a son or daughter and to begin to live like dad, to begin to live like God, to begin to live the life that God has called you to live and to know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that changes the game because God lives in you. He can teach you, he can guide you. It says he's your helper, but he doesn't just take control. We have to yield to him tonight. We have to surrender to him and say, God, I want to be free of my sin. Holy Spirit, I want to yield to your guidance. God, I want to be all that you've called me to be. But here's the thing, if we, there's a practical way we can get adoption into our spirits. Because I talked about adoption. The practical way we can get it into our spirits. And that's through, here's the deal, guys. I know that I'm a son of God, I know that. But every time I struggle or I sin, I forget it, it's just the reality, it's what happens. I begin to slide into perfectionism and slavery and I begin to think, wow, God must change his mind about me. I'm supposed to be a pastor, like how could I ever struggle? Like that's the pastor struggle right there. 
And sometimes I need people in my life to come to me and say, Daniel, God has not changed his mind about you. So if we want to get this adoption into our spirits, if we wanna truly understand that God's called us sons and daughters, then we need people in our lives who will tell us, Daniel, you're a son, or Nick, you're a son, or Leah, you're a daughter. We need people to tell us that, and that's why we have small groups here. That's why we believe in the power of a circle, because these are rows, and this is amazing, it's fun. Like, I have a good time on Tuesday nights, but the circle is where life change happens. I truly believe that. When people can look you in the eyes and say, I know everything about you, they can say, like, I know all your struggles, but I haven't changed my mind about you, and God hasn't changed his mind about you. He still loves you. That truth changes you. And that's the last piece I left out of how I got free from pornography. I said, I prayed, I, I read scripture, I began to surrender. But the other thing was I was in a small group and I had guys that I could go to and, and confess and, and say, hey, I screwed up. And they would look at me with tears in their eyes and say, God has not changed his mind about you. So I pray tonight that you would get connected to small groups, that, that you would yield to the Holy Spirit and that you'd understand that, that you're a son or daughter if you put your faith in Christ. And here's the deal, if you have not put your faith in Christ tonight, I gotta talk to you. Because here's the deal. God wants a relationship with you. It says in, let's put up Romans 5, 8. It says, but God shows his love for us and that while we're still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's how bad God wants a relationship with you. Jesus came, so I talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, enjoying relationship and community for all of eternity. Jesus comes out of that and, and he comes to earth and he lives a perfect life and he dies on the cross for each of us so each of us could be made righteous before God. So if you're not following Jesus, and I pray that you would accept Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf and that you'd put your faith in God and say, I wanna be a daughter of God. Say, I wanna be a son of God. Pray tonight that God's love would woo you to give your life to him. John 1, 12 says this. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So to all who received Jesus, to all who believe in his name, God gives the right to become children of God. So my question for you tonight is, do you wanna be a child of God? Do you want to be a child of God? Because that sounds pretty cool. He created hundreds of billions of galaxies. This God just said, let there be light. And then the stars and the sun lit up and all that happened. I don't know. It was crazy. It happened. This God wants to be your dad. So tonight I pray that you put your faith in him and you would stop trying to live for yourself and stop trying to defeat sin on your own. But instead you'd yield to God and say, or say I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. So if you'd stand with me tonight, we're going to close. So God is calling us tonight to be a people, two things, who become children of God. So if you're not a Christian tonight, I believe God wants you to become his child. God wants you to go from being a child of wrath to being a child of God, from being an enemy to being God's son or daughter. That, that exchange needs to happen tonight. And the second thing for those of you who follow Jesus is God tonight wants you to begin to live like his child. So children don't try, well, children of good parents don't just live in fear trying to obey their parents so that they'll love, or so that their parents will love them, but instead they try to obey their parents because they love their parents so much, and their parents have been so good to them, and their parents know best. That's why they obey. So tonight, God wants you to step out of slavery and step in 
to being a child.